We're firing on all cylinders. Summer is usually a time for vacation, right? None of you are on vacation because you're all here. Um, how many people have vacation plans canceled this year? Anybody? There's one, two, kind of. Who has a wedding that was canceled because, oh wait. Oh man, sorry, that's not a happy thing. But um, vacations are fun, right? Um, our family is all out of state, our extended family. Um, my family is all in Iowa, so we make those trips um, a couple times every year. James's parents and middle sister are, um, live in northern Arizona. And so we make that, that trip every couple years. Um, I was going to take the time to figure out how many times we have driven to Arizona, and I just didn't want to. It would take too long. I needed to like do other stuff. But we've been to Arizona countless times, and we have a science for how we pack and the things that we pack for our kids, the snacks, the games, the toys, the books, sometimes movies, music. Oh, man. As a side note, the library has like huge CD collection. Check it out before you, your next road trip. It's great. I do not work for the library or get any endorsements from the library other than their free stuff. Uh, but we have this planned so that when we get in the car to go drive for 17 hours, we just go and we're there in a blink, in a lot of blinks, in like 10 blinks, we're there. Um, so about 10 years ago, my mom decided she wanted to go to Florida for part of the winter. And it was kind of her trial run, and so all of us decided to go for Christmas and spend Christmas together. So my two older sisters um, and their families left to go to Florida, and we joined as well. Well, we left um, in the afternoon after work and everything this, on this date in December, and we drove to St. Louis and met one of my sisters there. And we caravanned all the way to Atlanta, and just south of Atlanta, we met my other sister, and we had breakfast, and you know, we loaded up there um, from the Cracker Barrel and headed out to Port St. Lucie, Florida, and it was about seven hours to drive. Well, um, at some point, well, it was a specific point, my oldest sister decided uh, that we should stop at the Florida Welcome Center. Um, and it was, you know, she thought a really good place to stop, you know, I know, there's free orange juice, so like we have to stop. Someone, I won't say who, but someone was not happy to be stopping when we didn't have to stop and you know, we couldn't get gas or anything productive. Um, he was not happy <laughs> to be stopping again when we had this journey and you know, if there's not a specific reason to stop, let's just keep going, right? That was James's, James's thought. Um, there was a little bit of friction there between him and, and me because I was trying to keep the peace. But anyways, my sister, it was very important for her to stop along the journey and take a break and enjoy what was there. Well, what kind of traveler are you? you Roger clearly uh, wants to just get there. But do you stop along the way or do you just watch the trees blur by? Or maybe you hop on a plane and avoid the trip, the car trip altogether just to get to your destination. We could probably be here all day and debate which is the best way to travel. But sometimes it's good to at least have some flexibility to stop along the way 
And we've learned that um, over lots of years debating that sometimes you just need to stop and play at a playground before you, you know, push on through. Uh, James is breathing like really heavy because he still <laughs> just does not like to do that. But sometimes there's something to enjoy, maybe even something to learn as you're traveling on your journey. Well, we're going to look today um, at a story about the life of Jacob from the Old Testament and a journey that he was on. So we'll be reading from Genesis 28. If you have a Bible and would like to turn there, um, it will be on the screen, I believe, if you'd like to follow along. So we'll start reading in Genesis 28, verse 10. And would you stand for the reading of the word? Genesis 28, 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone for a pillow and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down on it. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will cover the land from east to west and from north to south. All the families of earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I will be with you. I will protect you wherever you go. I will someday bring you safely back to this land. I will be with you constantly until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. Then Jacob woke up and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. The next morning he got up very early and took a stone that he had used as a pillow and set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, house of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, this passage about this trip that Jacob takes um, happens right after a story that you're probably somewhat familiar with. Um, Esau and Jacob were the twin sons of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. God had made this promise to Abraham that his descendants would be numerous, that all people on earth would be blessed through Abraham and through his family, that he would give him all of this land. And Esau and Jacob were very different twins. Um, Esau enjoyed hunting. Jacob, it says, liked to stay at home. I'm kind of with Jacob. If we're hunting or staying home, I'll probably stay home. I'll eat whatever we hunt after it's been cleaned, but I'm with Jacob. I'll stay home. I don't know what he did at home, uh, but we're told he liked to stay at home. Esau was the firstborn, and as the firstborn, he was, um, he was set to be the main inheritance receive the main inheritance from his father, to receive this blessing. And so as Isaac was growing older, he was not able to see very well. And he called Esau in one day and he said, son, go out and kill an animal and prepare it and we'll have this meal together. And then after the meal, I will give you my blessing. Well, Rebecca, the boy's mother, heard this and Jacob was her favorite. And so she called Jacob in and said, hey, let's Let's sweep in here before Esau gets back, and you can have the blessing instead of him. And so this plan was devised, um, and Jacob indeed came in and got the blessing instead of his brother Esau. 
Well, when Esau came back from hunting and found that his blessing was gone, he was furious. And he said, you know, after our father dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. And so Jacob was sent away to live, to not be killed, and to live in freedom. Um, they sent him to Haran, to his uncle Laban, where he would find a wife and live until it was safe to come back to where they were living. So as we look at Genesis 28, we see that Jacob is traveling, and he's alone. There's no mention of any servants or any friends or family who were going with Jacob. It was just him. And he has just left home. He's just deceived his father and his brother. Their relationship is broken. Um, he knows that his father is close to death. He is, is in very bad terms with Esau. I can imagine how furious it would make me. And so he's not in a good standing relationship with his family when he leaves. He left home without asking for forgiveness. This is perhaps the first time he's been alone in his life. Um, the journey was long. It was four to 500 miles. That's about from here to Chicago. So if you can imagine walking that, doesn't that make you excited for vacation? Um, it would have taken him about two weeks, at least two weeks, to travel this far. He was vulnerable. He was alone. He had left home on bad terms. And he was planning to be gone a long time, perhaps forever. Further, Jacob left home without any real connection to God. God had appeared to Abraham and to Isaac, and he was known as their God. But Jacob had not made a connection with him. In Genesis 27, when we read about um, Esau blessing Jacob, he, um, Jacob refers to God as the Lord your God. He doesn't say the Lord our God or the Lord my God. It's the Lord your God. And so there's this um, lack of connection between him and God. Jacob hadn't even considered what God might want to do through him or in his life. He was not in a good place with God. And so as Jacob prepared to lay down to rest that first night, he chose a place outside of town. There was a town nearby, but he, for whatever reason, did not go into the town to stay with somebody. Now, we went camping a couple weeks ago, and we were in a nice, safe tent, um, as long as nothing tried to claw its way in. But there were a lot of raccoons and, like, mountain lions and bears and stuff out there. I'm pretty, no, there weren't. Okay, there were, there were raccoons, and I'm sure there was something else out there. All night long, I kept waking up and hearing these sounds of animals outside, and I just could not sleep. So I, can, I can't imagine what, how, how scared Jacob must have been. Maybe he was a little bit more brave than I am, but here he is sleeping outside of town, even adding to his um, vulnerability. And he laid down. He took a rock to use as a pillow. He was in this place between home and where he was going, uncomfortable, and this is the place where God came to speak to him. In Jacob's dream, we see that there's this ladder or a stairway to heaven. Um, James really wanted me to play the song, Stairway to Heaven. There's not time. You can listen to it afterwards. I don't think it's about this story. Uh, no, it's not. Just kidding. I know it's not about this story. Um, but there's a stairway from heaven to earth, and it's 
the, the symbolism of it is that it's this place where heaven connects to earth and there's angels going up and down on the stairway. And this tells us that it's a place where people can connect to God, where they can speak to God. Um, it's a point of connection between heaven and earth telling us that these two places are not, are not um, disconnected. They're connected. They, they don't work on their own. They work together. And so this was where God appeared to Jacob. Jacob wasn't ready for this. He wasn't seeking God. He was just on a journey, and God came and spoke to him. I think it's interesting that God comes despite what Jacob had done, despite the, decept the deceptive um, trick that he played to get the blessing. God still came and spoke to him at this in-between place on his journey. God introduced himself as the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. He offered his presence to Jacob, who was in need of a connection of his own. God intruded on Jacob's reality. He was sleeping, and God came to him in this moment. This idea of the stairway or the ladder, it reminds me of another story in Genesis of the Tower of Babel, where the people were building a tower in hopes of getting high enough that they would be with God. You know, they were trying to reach God, trying to reach the heavens in order to be closer to God. And God put a stop to it. He said, no, you will not reach me. And it was because of their, um, their own selfish desires to get to God that they were stopped. And here, Jacob isn't being selfish anymore at this point. He's already done that. But here he is at his point of vulnerability and God comes to speak to him. Maybe even the, you know, the stairway compared to a tower. It's a very similar thing. But here God is coming down to speak to Jacob. Well, what God says to Jacob is, I will be with you. He confirms the promise that he had made through Isaac and through Abraham. But he says it to Jacob again. He says, this will be your land. Your descendants will be numerous. You will be a blessing to all people and I will be with you. This is only the second time God has ever said that to someone. We've heard it a lot because we live on the other side of the Old Testament. But, we, but this was just the second time that God had said, I will be with you. How great is that? And over and over, God would make this promise to Jacob and to his descendants and to his nation that would become the nation of Israel, his people, God continued to say, I will be with you as you travel. I am your God. As you face difficulties, I am your God and I am with you. And that's such an incredible promise. And God kept promising it until his presence was made physically manifest in the person of Jesus. And this promise continues for us today through the Spirit. God is with us. As Jacob was continuing to flee, as he is on his way out of their home at this point, God says, I will be with you as you're still going and facing dangers, and I will be with you when you come back. And he promises that he will come back to, Jake, to this land, and that this land that he's promised will be his, and that Jacob will be there again. Jacob didn't do anything to convince God to bless him, to show him his favor, he was just there, and he was able to receive this blessing from God. I wonder if there's a time that you can think of 
when God has spoken to you when you haven't expected it. For Jacob, he woke up and he was afraid. He was in awe of what God had said to him and what God had promised and what he had done. A lot of times in our life, sometimes, um, you know, something happens that's so big and you just can't function still. You know, God speaks to you in such a clear way that you can't help but pause and just sit in that presence of God. And I think that's how Jacob felt at this time. He wasn't necessarily afraid, but he was in this place of awe and reverence for God. Well, when Jacob woke up in the morning, he took the stone that had been his pillow and he made it a memorial. He made it an altar, a place where um, he would always be able to say, this place right here is where God met me. And there wasn't anything special about the stone or about the oil he poured on it. It was just a place to mark where God had been. I was thinking about this idea of setting up pillars or memorials or um, maybe even just marking something in your mind. I know for me, there's certain places that are sacred to me. There's a spot at this altar that is my spot uh, that I come to and I have for like during church services or when um, I'm here in the office or whatever. This place at the altar, it's not that this is the only place where I can meet God, but it's a place where I know that I can bring God whatever it is that I'm holding and let him speak to me. It's a place where I can release what I'm holding on to. There's a, there's a few songs that every time we sing them, I remember exactly where I was. I remember you know, the feeling of singing that song and God speaking to me in that moment. It's not every song we sing, but there's certain ones that always draw me back to this place of special connection with God. And sometimes I share those with my family, and I think that's important to do, to share it with others and bring others in along with you to these special places where God has met you. That's what Jacob did. As his family grew, they met back at this place. And this became a place where the people of God would meet and sacrifice all throughout the Old Testament. Jacob renamed this place Bethel, or the house of God. It was once this place between two spaces, this place outside of town that wasn't really a place. And when once God came and spoke to Jacob, he renamed the place. He gave it a name saying, this is where God is. This is the house of God. And this place of Bethel continues to be a place to meet God. And again, there's nothing special about this place other than perhaps the memory that God has met Jacob here and that God will meet whoever else comes to that place. He will meet them there. And so um, Jacob renames the place. He also makes a vow with God. If we read on to verse 20, we see that Jacob declares God will be his God because he has met him there. God will go on with Jacob. He will provide for his needs. He'll return to this land with him. From this point forward, Jacob realized and accepted his need for God. So Jacob goes on to travel all the way to Haran to his uncle, and he um, gets actually a couple wives and a couple concubines, and he has this whole family. He has um, 11 children at the point where he's heading back, and 
right around this place, his 12th child is born. And at this place, he stops to meet God and he says, I will make an altar there at Bethel to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. When he came back to this place, God renamed him. This place where Jacob gave a name, when he revisited it, God renamed him Israel and continued to be with him. So I wonder where you are on the journey. Probably a lot of you are familiar with the metaphor of the spiritual journey. Um, We use it a lot to talk about our spiritual life and how it's a journey. It's not a place that we arrive at at some point. Most of us probably believe that our life is a spiritual journey, which we will not reach the destination in this life. So how do you travel? Do you travel quickly, just trying to get there, get everything done? Do you pause along the way? You know, this season of quarantine, it's been good in some ways to allow us extra time and space. It's been frustrating, I know. But it's been good to offer extra time and space for the spiritual journey. We've been forced to slow down and to look around us. And I hope that you've been able to look for God in places where you don't expect him. Um, This journey that we're on, you know, God can speak to us in the ordinary places just as much as he can in the extraordinary times. I know that we expect to hear from God at places like camp or at revivals. Maybe even every Sunday when we come to church, we expect to hear from God. And that's good. But there's other places where God speaks to us. In our homes, in our random wanderings, God speaks to us as we're commuting, as we play in the backyard, in your study time, as you're preparing for the next part of your education or career. In these in-between times, God is still present with us and he is still speaking to us. God didn't wait until Jacob arrived at Haran to speak to him, to give him his blessing. He did it while he was on the way, when he wasn't expecting it, when he was vulnerable. We should be reminded to listen, to pay attention to what God might have to say. Um, I'd like to go back and read the psalm that Sherry read again. Psalm 139. And just kind of think about this. Hear these words as you reflect on what God did for Jacob. That he met him on the journey. That when he wasn't expecting God to speak to him and bless him, that God did. God came to him. So hear these words from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. The God who knows everything about you, who always knows where you are, he will come and meet you at your place in between places. Wherever you are, God will come and meet you. Watch and listen. Be ready to hear from the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are always with us. And we thank you for those surprising moments when you break in to our normal, everyday, going about lives. And you speak to us. You pour out your blessing on us. You give us strength for the journey. We thank you, God. Would you help us to listen for your voice, to watch for your signs and wonders, to lean into you, to walk with you, God. Give us extra space this week just to listen for your voice, to see what you might have to say for us, say to us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.